Hello and welcome. My name is Christopher Chandler. And my name is Chris Shower. And, and we, we are, are Generally, generally American. American. In our podcast, we discuss events, culture, whatever else we want from a generally American perspective. From our differing viewpoints, our goal is that we can offer others and ourselves nuanced opinions on fascinating topics related to the U.S. We invite you to be part of the discussion, and we hope that you'll stick around to see where the conversation takes us. So let's dive in. And welcome back. Welcome back. I, I assume it's uh, been a little bit longer than usual. Yeah, it's... Uh... Apologies for that. <laughs> it's been three weeks. So full disclosure, uh, I, I won't say it's my fault, but I'm the reason. Uh, it was my on-call week at my job, which is normally fine, uh, except a bunch of other vacations coincided with it. So instead of being like a backup... I was just having to work on the day we normally uh, we normally record this and every other night that week. So I am very happy. Today's my first day off, uh, fully off call, so I'm very happy today. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been on call for anything at any job, <laughs> but I I I guess for those who don't know, you can definitely correct me. So I guess being on call basically means. You're on standby, so you're you're working, uh, or rather, you're waiting for someone to call you, but you're not working like the whole time. Well, and I keep my emails open and I watch emails, but the problem is, we have like an after-hours person who works like a 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. shift over the weekend, mm-hmm. and that's normally like when the on-call person gets to like you know live their life, go grocery shopping, you know relax whatever i didn't have that so i basically just had to be on so what whoever called our company their calls went right to my cell phone i normally i would just be taking overflows which don't happen often yeah that sounds like a nightmare it was yeah it was not great (laughs) but um so how's the weather oh my gosh uh so very unusual here uh raining a lot like feels like it's raining every day which is probably good but the problem is i think we're actually dealing with some flooding in some places but the main problem is uh all the plants i've never seen them all so healthy this time of year i haven't oh god you can even hear it i haven't had a spring allergy season this bad Mm. in almost two decades so uh if you hear me sniffling or reach for a tissue and I forget to mute my microphone today, I, I apologize. <laughs> I'm doing my best over here. Yeah, please be patient with us. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, God. Yeah, so <clears throat> here it's been actually pretty hot, so you'd love it here. So I think we're in like the 80s or like the 90s at the moment. So it's, for me personally, it's unbearable. I hate summer. Um, so I've been inside the whole day and we don't. Like I've mentioned, I think, a dozen times before, we don't have any air conditioning here, so it's just sitting Yeah, that's, that's a big difference maker. <laughs> yeah, so just sitting in the shade and uh, or in front of a fan and hoping that it'll be over with soon. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm looking at the forecast now. It's supposed to storm today, moderate chance of storm every day this week, and a big storm on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's the the, the bi-weekly, or 
monthly weather report, if you will. Yeah, the bi-monthly, bi-continental <laughs> weather report. Yeah, so last time we touched on generational shifts. So we touched on going from one generation to the next and how opinions change, morph over time, and so on. But there was one aspect we felt that we forgot, and that was the aspect of anger. I feel like there's a lot of anger between the generations, and for better or for worse, I think there's always been some sort of anger or resentment between the different generations, but I feel, maybe it's naive, but I feel like it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot stronger, it's a, it's a lot more visceral and vitriolic, especially when you like look at like a lot of the memes, like a lot of like the boomer memes or like the Gen Z memes um, on the internet. I feel like there's a lot of anger between. Yeah, although I do want to be fair. Um, I I would bet back in the Vietnam War era days and oh. when there was the draft. Can mm-hmm. you imagine that generational anger? You know, you're just an 18 to 20 something. You've really done nothing your whole life because your life is just starting. And some people in the previous two generations decided you're going to go overseas and kill people and die. Like, I I bet that was pretty strong anger. Huh. Yeah, honestly, I didn't think about it like that. But yeah, that's true. Um... No no 20-something has ever decided uh, a country is going to war. Well, okay, that's probably happened. That's probably happened several times. In modern history. Okay. <laughs> and even then I might be wrong, but we're going to go with it. Yeah. So that was just, just the main point was just basically a lot of the anger and the resentment. I think one of the biggest um, being a lot of people feel like they won't be able to like afford housing. Um, I read an article the other day saying uh, that the current generations can more or less forget about buying a house um, because of the prices are so high that you'd probably be better off just banking on inheritance. Um, I highly doubt that most people will have an inheritance, so in the form of getting a house. Um, well, even if you can, uh, property taxes, you might not be able to afford to keep it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's an, that's another thing too. Is the taxes are at an all time high. Um, at least they are here. I'm not actually sure how it is in the U.S. at the moment. But kind of drifting off the whole anger issue or the whole generational issue, we wanted to talk on, like, countercultures and subcultures. Um, I don't know if you know off the top of your head what the difference is between the two. Um, well, I feel like a counterculture is specifically going against the status quo or whatever yeah. the current direction a society is going and then sub subcultures i think are just more like niches mm. more or less harmless like you know and, and we were kind of talking about this before we started you know there's that trope in all all those high school movies where you basically break down all the groups like there's the jocks there's the nerds there's the goths there's the emos there's the there's the preps um, and they all kind of just keep to themselves and just do whatever. But I mean, it's always a little bit exaggerated in those movies, but that's, that is kind of how it is in high school. And then obviously those people graduate high school and go out into the real world and you kind of stick with the people, you know? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of these 
so like a lot of these groups that you see in like high school movies i feel like a lot of these groups kind of die off afterwards i think everyone has kind of heard like oh it's just a phase like you'll, you'll grow out of it um i know i heard that a lot when i was growing up they do and they don't um i'm thinking i'm thinking of my personal office space there's a there's definitely some people i'm like oh these guys were definitely the jocks in high school these guys are these guys are the nerds uh and I can even kind of, oh, these are like the guys who were the emos or goths in high school mm. and are mostly out of it, but you can still tell. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely met people who are still kind of nerdy, who are emo, who are a goth. Um, I definitely think those are like the most popular, I guess, subgroups you want to say, or I guess depending on how you look at them, they could also be counterculture. So um, like, there are a lot of punks, a lot of goth. I don't know if those are considered subculture, um, but rather counterculture, in a way. One thing that we didn't have, really, uh, I guess was hippies. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a couple generations back, uh, counterculture. I think that was, like, the, f I don't know if it was, like, the first biggest, but I definitely think it was, like, the most popular you know, like the whole free love movement, 67. Well, and we already kind of brought it up during the Vietnam War. I mean, yeah, I mean, when the draft was going on, um, you know, a lot of people were just like, screw it, I'm going off the grid, gonna gonna go be a hippie. In Canada, they all went to A ton of people Canada. did that. <laughs> yeah, a lot well, of... Well, a lot of people defected to Canada, so they didn't have to get drafted. Yeah, I think they were pardoned afterwards, um, but I'm not exactly sure. Someone would have to double check that, but... A lot of people did actually end up going to Canada. Um, do you, you do you know what they were called, by the way? People who like uh, the the draft dodgers. Yeah, there was another term for them. I don't. So another term for them was slackers, basically. So that, oh yeah, that's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. So slacker was a was a really popular term for people who avoided the draft during the Vietnam War. So. For people who don't know, so to slack or slack off or slack or just, you know, someone who's basically lazy. I don't know if it had that term back then, but that's like the modern sentiment of the word. But that was like the, the common term for people who avoided the draft during the Vietnam War. Um, and I knew of plenty of people who whose parents stayed there or came back. Um... But yeah, that was like one of the biggest counterculture movements, I would say, in, in the U.S. Um, and that, I guess, more or less coincided with like the, the waves of, of feminism during the time. So like free love and like uh, birth control and whatnot. Yeah, and it, it was uh, honestly for, for the advancement of probably uh, civil rights in general, it was a, it was a pretty it was a pretty big time. Um, I feel like there was a lot of humanity in those groups. And then, you know, what's funny is a lot of those people ended up leaving that lifestyle mm. and then they just became, uh, like everyone else. Yeah. Just kind of blended in. I think that's also kind of a common trope in a lot of movies where you'll have like some children and their father, maybe he's like in his fifties or sixties or whatever. Um, or, you know, maybe a bit younger. And 
they'll do flashbacks about him having like really long hair, him being, you know, like a hippie or being like a, like a protester or being part of like the metal scene. Um, so like the parents were always part of like some counterculture or subculture movement. And then that is kind of, I guess more or less combined with someone being like young and naive and rebellious in nature. And once you get older, you know, you'll kind of grow out of it. You know, once you settle down and once you get married and have kids, you'll kind of leave that all behind. I feel like that's also a huge theme in like a lot of movies. Um, a, a good example of that, I was watching, what, what's it called? Uh, Inside Out, I think is what it's called. Isn't that the name of the movie where like the, the girl has the emotions in her head? Yeah, that's that movie. Yeah, yeah, and so there was like there was that one scene where uh, there was like a little short of that movie where the father was sitting at the table talking to his daughter's potential boyfriend, and he he had a flashback about him being like a rock star, you know, being rebellious when he was you know really young. So um, yeah. Well, and you know what's funny is. Uh all those generations that kind of strayed away from it. And, you know, there's people in every generation who kind of didn't, and they just kind of stayed what they were doing. But I feel like our generation was always told, like, oh, you know, young people are always like that. Um, The more, the older you get, the more conservative you kind of get in, like, the way you conduct yourself and your politics and all those things. And that, because that was true for a lot of generations, but I feel like our generation... It has not been true for. So in regards to previous generations having traditionally gone more conservative as they've gotten older, and that'll probably happen with our generation as well to a certain extent, but I I don't think it'll be the same because a lot of where that comes from is those previous generations um, had opportunities and stability uh, that encouraged that behavior. And uh, our generation is uh, struggling with that right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like they were rewarded for being traditional, more or less. You know, when you're young, you're rebellious. But once you know, you can't really live that long being like that. So once you get like a lot older, um, the more conservative you become, the better life will be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't necessarily believe that, but I feel like that's kind of like the myth um, or like the thinking around it of why you should be like more conservative and everyone's value or everyone's opinion. Sorry. On what it means to be conservative, I think varies definitely from generation to generation and from group to group. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by conservative, but what I mean by conservative is I think is more I guess like in lines of like traditional values, we kind of touched on that like last time, like with like the whole trad wife. I wouldn't go that far, but I definitely don't mean like conservative in like a strictly like political sense. Like No, I mean, that's part of it, but it's yeah. more of like a philosophical approach to life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not like the older you become that you'll become like a Republican. That's not. <laughs> that's I mean, not that good. does kind of happen, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I've definitely seen people kind of switch sides. Um, like when they were younger, they, they were more Democrat. And then the older they became, you know, they, I guess, became more like right leaning. Yeah. Um, and honestly, sometimes it's as simple as uh, people 
got property and they've got money and they they think if they change the way they vote they'll be able to make money easier or they'll be taxed less and sometimes it's just that simple yeah yeah that's that's definitely true um there's definitely that aspect of wanting to become more conservative uh to make i guess more money i don't know if there's a lot of money to be had in being rebellious I don't know if I, I like I, said, I don't know if rebellious is necessarily the correct term, but I guess in in essence, by being part of like a counter movement, you are being rebellious. Um, whether that's you know like metal or music or like uh, being part of like the the suffragette movement, like the feminist movement, um, those are all like counter culture movements, and. I would say some of them aren't really counterculture anymore, though, because they've kind of been absorbed into the mainstream. Um, like, I guess, like the feminist movement, for example, I wouldn't really consider it to be counterculture anymore. Um, I guess no, I'm... I mean, I, 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 I would hesitate to call it full mainstream, but it's, it's somewhere in the middle. Like, it's accepted. You're not. You're not a weirdo for saying you're a feminist. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely true. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like oh, full blown mainstream. I guess for those who don't, you know, know what mainstream is, I guess the best way to define mainstream is that which is accept mostly accepted by most of society. So things that society in by and large deems to be uh, to to be acceptable. Um, yeah, or a lot of how I think of it is. The people who are more and less in charge of society, mm. if they accept it, yeah, like if it's not if it's not an issue, if we don't have to like debate the validity of it on TV, you know, every night, then it's <laughs> then it's fine. Which there are still people who will get on TV and do that, so that's why I say it's not a hundred percent there, but it's yeah. not it's nothing like it used to be. No, it definitely isn't. And I think like the platforms or things like that were like talk shows. I think those were incredibly popular in the 90s where they would or and like the 80s as well. The biggest being, you know, Oprah, um, uh, Jerry Springer, you know, rest in peace <laughs> and whatnot. Although I wouldn't really consider Jerry Springer to be someone who was really trying to push American society forward. I think that was more of just like trash TV. But nonetheless, like on those on on those talk shows you got to see people from different walks of life more or less um but i definitely feel like people like oprah were i guess at least trying to present uh, like counter narratives like different groups whether or not that was really in all honesty or just for show um I, i'm not exactly sure i think that's everyone's decision but that's I think that's definitely one of the ways people in the US have tried to bring these ideas into the mainstream is by bringing them to like talk show hosts more or less. Yeah, and in it works. It's just exposure normalizes things. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um not always though. Uh I was watching a YouTube video about how because it's pride month so there are a lot of businesses like not in the u.s but all over the world that are in i guess trying to support like you know the 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 community the lgbt community i don't know what the full 
name is i feel like it's getting you, longer. you could just throw a plus <laughs> at the end of it yeah so i just feel like it's really long but the point being is there are a lot of businesses that are supporting them um for better or for worse and so even though uh, for the most part that's still accepted that is accepted by most people in american society they still get a lot of pushback you know i think i saw something on fox news about satanism and the pride movement and how they're interconnected so then you have like the whole aspect of like a moral panic i don't know if you've heard that term before oh absolutely there's always a moral panic about something yeah like every generation there's always a moral panic um i think in our generation i guess it was more like the the whole emo emo and goth scene and uh people like cutting themselves and whatnot that was a huge moral panic um and if you go even back further so the generation before us you had like the satan panic you know so you had like a lot of people panicking in the 80s and uh being worried about like satanisms on the rise and ritual sacrifice and whatnot so um the good old satanic panic yeah yeah <laughs> which is kids, awesome kids were uh kids were doing rituals and sacrificing each other to the devil playing dungeons and dragons it was, it was good times <laughs> Which was which was also um, or is also like a, a trope in a lot of movies, you know, like Satanism, moral panic. Um, every generation is worried about the next generation and feels like for better or for worse that they're not on the right path. Well, I guess in that case, it would be for worse. Um, but I think that's like the biggest moral panic. And now I feel like, you know, with the you know, the pride community. Uh, I guess it's maybe like the next moral panic for a lot of people because it's definitely all over the news. Um, it's on the news here. It's on the news in the US. So. Um, but Yeah, although it's. I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's on the level of the, the satanic panic because it's just people who have no idea what they're talking about saying words to <laughs> win points. And everyone else is like. You have zero idea what you're talking about. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. This is going to look in even just two, three, four or five years. This is going to look silly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like a lot of it ages like sour milk. Um, because, after, you know, th- you remember what the last big one was? Uh, no, I don't think so. Pokemon? It was no, no, way more <laughs> recent. It was CRT, critical race theory. Oh, that's that, right. that was like the big talking point like year a year to three years ago like right in that window um that's what people are like oh they're they're teaching our kids this college level concept in grade school no they're not but they kept saying it yeah i still don't know what crt is like uh i have a vague idea of what it is but every time i i watch those videos about people being upset that being taught in schools um no one could really define it. I mean, it, it's really, I mean, the the study and theory of it, I'm sure, has complexity, but the premise of it's not complex. It's, oh. you know, you know, African-Americans were uh, enslaved, disenfranchised, and just had less rights and opportunities than uh, other people for several generations. Only in relative recent history has that changed. Mm. So, you know... There are people that came from slavery and then, you know, slowly putting a life together for their family and future generations. They're disadvantaged in life compared to people who aren't coming from that. 
that it's that's the study it's the study of that that's interesting that you bring it up because i feel like for a lot of these movements that schools have always been kind of like the battleground for ideas um where new ideas kind of i guess duke it out or new ideas are supplanted so like another big one is like uh evolution versus like creationism i don't know if you know that that dynamic oh yeah i feel like that was that I mean, was the big one like uh 10 15 years ago yeah yeah so you know it's like uh should we teach evolution so we teach like creationism you know evolution being that we evolved creationism being that uh we're from god we were made by god um and that was also like a big panic so and and those came from those aren't really like sub or countercultures i wouldn't say that but evolution coming from like scientists and biologists um and creationism coming more from like the i guess the christian right or like the religious i don't know if i would call them the right um but those are definitely like subculture groups i would say within society uh and it's always in the schools it's always you know we're for the children (laughs) basically we're trying every, every group is trying to either save or influence the children which I find to be a very interesting political point. Well, because everyone can sympathize with children. Children are to be protected. So yeah. you just have to trigger that part in every adult's brain to protect protect children. That's true. Whether it's like from teaching, um, whether it's about um, things that are non-heterosexual, um, or whether it's about abortion or any of that, it's always about the children and it's always in the schools <laughs> so each group is i guess trying to get their foot in the school basically or in schools uh for whatever reason but yeah you're right i mean most people are for children it's really difficult to say like oh no i don't care about the children at all <laughs> yeah and that's not a very popular opinion there was actually just like a big uh i don't want to say riot but violent protest i guess outside of like a school board meeting in Glendale, California, which is just a suburb of Los Angeles. Mm. So people people do crazy stuff when they think you're going after their when they think you're going after kids. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um the the I guess maybe the the biggest reason is is if you I guess if you could influence the children then you can kind of shape the future. There, there was there's some quote by I can't remember who said it, but it goes along the lines: "If you give me the the boy until he's ten, then I'll give you the man for life." You know, so basically, if you have someone in their formative years, um, that they'll pretty much stay in that way of thinking for the rest of their life, more or less, which I guess is actually kind of true, um, even if a bit nefarious, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> But I would, f- I feel like a lot of those movements are a, a bit separate from like the hippies or like the goths or the punks or any of that, because I don't feel like these groups are trying to recruit people per se. Um, it's just that he, this is who we are. This is what we believe. And that just kind of attracts people, um, you know, or like free love or whatever. That was super common in like the 70s, you know, with like the Manson family and whatnot um which in which in turn was like the basis of like plenty of movies so 
a lot of these groups are, I guess, just dissatisfied with the status quo as is. Um, like a lot of the counter counter culture movements and like the the subcultures. I don't know. I guess it's really hard to put my finger on it. But what I, I will go on. Oh, one thing I did want to say is a lot of the current, and we talked about mentioning mm-hmm. them before we started recording, like the alt right movement. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call that. I wouldn't would not call that counterculture because society, American society, is trying to get away from that. But it is kind of you know it's it's all about their interpretation of traditional values and all that that kind of thing and returning to a quote-unquote better time but it's not it's not a majority popular thing but i feel like they're just trying really hard to hold on to the power while they have it that that's a that's a super interesting point you bring up the whole um like make America great again or uh, the good old times, I guess you could put it that way. And everyone's interpretation of like the good old times and what that is, is different and when it was. Um, And I'm always kind of uh, like suspicious or skeptical people who want to go back to like the good old days. Um, Because for the most part, it really only benefits a certain section of society and not like society as a whole. Um, and that, that, that's actually a difference between, I feel like conservatives in the U S so conservatives in the, in like the political sense and in like, um, sociological sense and the conservatives in the U S or in, in, in like Europe, Germany in particular, I feel like from my own personal experience, people who are conservative in Germany aren't necessarily interested in going back in time they're more interested in just preserving traditions, you know, um, like preserving the language or like preserving like cultural traditions, cultural holidays, stuff like that. But they're not necessarily opposed to progress where, as I feel like in the U S a lot of these extreme conservatives are interested in preserving traditions and then rolling the clock more or less backwards, 50, 60, 70 years. Um, That's just, my observation i could be wrong but that's oh you're you're very right yeah oh (laughs) though i do have a question for you yeah preserving the language in germany is that is that a is that a real fear over there i think it's a fear in a lot of countries because english is so prevalent so it creeps its way into a lot of languages so i definitely noticed here in germany uh, in germany that like the german that i learned in high school is vastly different than the German that that you actually speak here because there's so much influx from like the English language. And so um, going off on a side tangent, you have like linguistic bodies like in Spain or in France, and I believe in Italy that really try to, or actually also in Iceland, that really try and preserve the quote unquote purity of the language to keep it free from like loan words. Um, but Germany doesn't really actually have that. So there isn't really actually a linguistic body that kind of governs the language like in other countries. So, yeah. So for a lot of people, that is like a real threat because it 
it prevents people from learning to speak their own language properly in the sense of like being able to use like native words. Um, like a, an interesting example is like the, like strange um, or cringe or like struggle. Like those are terms that are used a lot now in German, um, but they weren't like five or 10 years ago. So it's stuff like that where people are trying to really like preserve the language as it is, but it's a it's an uphill battle because English is so prevalent uh, through like our podcast, <laughs> right? Or through <laughs> through movies. I was gonna say so, that's interesting. Like it it makes me think of places like Indonesia where it's pretty common that most people will speak you know their native language, and then things like English are used so much that a lot of people just speak two or three languages fluently because there's just so much going on in their country. Yeah, I mean, it's the same here. Like, everyone obviously speaks German. And then I guess English more or less to an extent. Um, But I always have to put, like, an asterisk on that because it's not that people speak English as good as they speak German. It's not like they speak it on the same level. And that really depends on, like, who you're talking to, you know, where you're going. Um, That's also a sign of, like, subcultures here um, because a lot of these, like, subculture or counterculture movements – a lot of them are done in English or partly in English because like a lot of the literature, a lot of the support, a lot of the ideas were all bred, I guess you could say, in like an English speaking environment. So the most logical choice would to do all of that in English. And so um, like I used to see the lot at the university where they would do like they would have posters for like the anarchists <laughs> or for like people who were uh, for gender studies or for environmentalism that a lot of that was completely in English or a lot of the guests that were speaking at these events were from English speaking countries um, so that's just I guess that's just kind of how that works over here in the US obviously it's all in English um, maybe in Spanish <laughs> but I wouldn't really count on that that's you know that's a good point um i hadn't thought of that so we are kind of coming to a close on our time yeah. here is there anything more generational you wanted to discuss oh uh, we should all love each other more <laughs> yeah that would be you know what um kind of coming back to it and this is just um uh, i guess i'm gonna own up to something here so i all was right. at i was at a local baseball game last night it was kind of a spur of the moment thing and uh I had this weird moment where, uh, you know, we were sitting with a lot of, of elderly people and I was just having like these thoughts. I was like, oh, I bet like I, I'm not even kidding. Like, man, these people don't know what it's like to I, I bet you have a house. I was like, where is all this? Like, I know where this anger is coming from, but these people have done nothing to me. <laughs> so, I mean, that that blind generational rage is a thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's very vitriolic. Um, a lot of it. It makes kind you. Of... It makes you feel kind of dirty. Like it doesn't feel good. No, it really doesn't. Um, I think, I guess on a closing note, I think a lot of people, especially around our age, feel like that. The the stuff that our parents have is, or or their grandparents, depending on you know how old you are, that a lot of that is undeserved. Um, and I should have that too, which. I feel it's kind of unfair because I don't know if these people, if they deserve it or not, but just by the fact of them being old doesn't mean they didn't work for it. 
you know i mean it's unfortunate that generation that you know inflation that things have changed over time and whatnot but i wouldn't say like you don't deserve what you have uh just like flat off like uh, just flat across the board which is what you generally see like a you know on a lot of uh, different forums where there's just all this yeah um rage and, and hate you know uh i guess like a final quote from from what's it called uh, rage against the Mach- machine uh, i think is the, uh, is the group um despite all my rage i'm still a rat in a cage um i can't remember the song though but that's you know that's what i think about that a lot when i when i read these posts and these articles so that's my my closing two cents <laughs> i am always fine with closing with uh, rage against the machine so i won't add anything all right thanks so much for listening take care and uh we'll be back soon all right bye <laughs> bye Hello everyone, so this is Chris from Post Production. While editing this episode, I realized that I made uh, a faux pas. So towards the end, I said, despite all of my rage, I'm still a rat in a cage. And I said it was from the group Rage Against the Machine, but it's not, uh, not at all. It's actually from The Smashing Pumpkins, and the song is called Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Now, I don't know why I said it was from Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I don't know why at all, because both groups are very different. The only thing that they have in common is that they're rock groups, I guess you could say, but beyond that, they're very different. I guess maybe because when I was younger, I used to listen to them a lot, and uh, I kind of mixed those up. Anyway, just wanted to throw that in there and clear that up. Thanks so much for listening, and see you next time. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it was informative and that we were able to expand your worldview, even if only just a little. Welcome feedback, comments, and constructive criticism. If you'd like to provide us with any, please reach out to us at our Discord or email address, both of which will be listed in, in the description. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Bye.